What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. It is myself, and it is producer Mikey. Unfortunately, Brett has Yo. a bit of a stomach bug, so he will not be joining us this week. So we had to change topics kind of in the last 24 hours. We were going to do a deep dive on Brett's favorite team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. But we decided to pivot because obviously we want Brett to be a part of that. So we are going to do the East Rundown here, basically just focusing on the top three uh, possibly four teams, and we're doing that because I know I've kind of um, aired out my frustration. Granted, we were a part of it, and you know, one of our first podcasts that we did in the first week of March was about the West, and it just feels like every single podcast since then is just talking about the West and how crazy it is and how every team seems to be separated by one or two games. You know, you could win a game, you're the fifth seed, you could lose a game, you're the eighth seed or in the play-in or whatnot. So, um, yeah, we're going to get – Going on the East here, Mikey. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I just uh, just put down the remote. Watching that Kansas State Michigan State game was a fucking blast. Uh, March Madness in full effect. But I'm ready to transition into a little bit of NBA talk. Granted, uh, with the tournament going on, I have not been watching as much NBA. Um, Safe for maybe like the Blazers game last night was pretty good, and then. Besides that, I'm a little out of the loop, but I think it's about time that we touch on these, your Milwaukee Bucks, because I know you're always a little bit hesitant to do too much Bucks talk on this chat, but it's just like you just said, like everywhere you listen, it's Lakers this, Sixers that, Celtics this, whatever, what have you. We've done our coverage recently on the Knicks. I know you and Ilya's pod went up recently and that was a blast, but I really think that for how dominant the Milwaukee Bucks have been this year, they are kind of grossly mis, like misrepresented in the media. Um, I think that now is your time with 10 oh. games left in the season to just fucking let her rip. I know I could see how mad you are about it, but it's time. We're going to treat this as a little bit of a State of the Union, Milwaukee Bucks style with our guest, Steve Sabatini. I want to know how you're feeling about your Milwaukee Bucks right now. I hate doing this. Fuck you. you know I, hate <laughs> I hate doing this. Um. You know what? I may need to get a high noon for this one. Hang on. Hang okay. Hang on. This commercial break brought to you by High Noon. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. I wasn't going to drink tonight, but the way you set that up just kind of you kind of did me dirty there. I mean, there is not a lot to say. If you were a fan coming into this season, and it's really funny, right? I think that with all my friends – that are Bucks chat are Bucks fans, and even the overstated Bucks chat that that I'm in. You know, you tend to look at it as a game by game thing, and you live and die by every single game. But when you talk to other people, you definitely take a more ra- rational, long term view. And if if we're going to summarize, I think with Milwaukee, you have to look at the whole season as a whole. You know, we knew going into this season that Chris Middleton wasn't going to be ready by the start of training camp. There was a lot of rumors going on. And I think for the most part, a lot of them were just rumors that he kind of came into camp out of shape, uh, wanted a new contract, you know, things of that nature. But they came out of the gate on fire. They won their first nine games in a row. And they look good, right? I mean, the the defense was, I think at that time, you can correct me on this, but I don't think you need to. I'll just say broadly, I think they were top three defense uh, to start the season, I, I want to say number one, but I might be a little wrong on that. But their offense struggled. You know, they were in the 20s, their offensive uh, efficiency rating. <clears throat> Excuse me. Low 20s. And then kind of after that, man, it was 
500 ball for a long time. And that's okay. You know, I think people need to kind of remember here that Pat Connaughton also was out and so much was being put on, you know, Drew Holiday and Giannis for them to kind of play the way they had to switch their styles up. There's a lot of stuff that they had to do. And then you kind of look at the, the way the schedule played out for them. They had a brutal, and we'll talk about their upcoming schedule. I'm a little annoyed by that, but they had a absolute brutal December. If everyone remembers, you know, they lost four in a row. They lost to Cleveland, Brooklyn, Boston, and Chicago all on the road. All of those games were, they were playing every other day. They had just, I think they had, I'm looking at it now. I'm sorry. It started with, they beat Golden State Tuesday, December 13th. I was at that game. Took my kids to that game, actually. They crushed, that was a game where they blew them out. And you're like, all right, here we go. And then they got destroyed by Memphis at Memphis. They beat Utah, beat the Pelicans. And then they went on this road trip where they're playing every other day. And at that point from December 5th, actually, hang on, from December 2nd against the Lakers when Chris Middleton came back, and obviously he left. I think he left. I think that he played the Houston game and then he didn't play anymore. Or maybe he played the Houston game and then he was done. But from December 2nd all the way till Christmas Day, they were playing every other day. Uh, I think the Lakers-Charlotte game was a back-to-back, but they were playing every other day. They were clearly exhausted. And again, Chris Middleton wasn't playing for that four-game losing stretch. Then January comes, and they kind of it's kind of the same thing. They lose one, win two, lose one, win two. They lose a back-to-back to Miami. Now, you got to remember during that, Giannis wasn't playing. They took him out. They beat Indiana. That was on Martin Luther King Day. They beat Toronto. That, I think... One of those Toronto games, oh, that was that was January 4th where they almost blew that game. And then all of a sudden, this is when this all, the season completely changed. It was at Detroit, January 23rd. Giannis and Chris Middleton come back. They beat Detroit. Sorry, Molly, I love you. 130. And at that point, they win their last five in January. They don't lose in February. And they finally lose to Philly on March 4th. So they... A tale of two seasons, I want to say. I think the first half of the season up until then, you know, a lot of their guys were hurt. Obviously, I didn't even mention Joe Ingles. And then they bring in a guy, Jay Crowder, at the trade deadline, and he has fit in just like a glove. I don't think you could have a better fit. And, yeah, man, this team is this team is legit. Like, they are – they've obviously have passed Boston, who has been uh, stumbling lately. I don't know how real some of that stuff is, though. But as of today, as of this recording, we're recording this on a Thursday – Milwaukee's about to go on just a freaking brutal schedule. But, you know, they are the number one team, not only in the East, but in the entire NBA. They're two and a half. Yeah, before we hit on their um, their upcoming schedule, I think it is good to look at some of the numbers recently. Since the All-Star break or in the last 15 games, uh, they have had the best record in the NBA. And you were touching a little bit earlier on their kind of subpar offensive numbers. They've in the last 15 games, they've been a top six offense. This is since everyone's come back. You nope. brought Crowder, you brought Ingles back into the floor. Ingles, really, you introduce him to the fold and he's fitting in really well. Um, some numbers I really wanted to touch on is I know that you were a little concerned about the injuries of Chris Middleton early in the season. What was really interesting to me looking at the numbers today in the last seven games that he's played, and these are all the games since he started playing starters minutes again, uh, he's at back up around 31 minutes per game. He's at 20 points per game, seven assists and four and a half rebounds with a true shooting percentage of almost 61%. Like that's, 
That's pretty vintage yeah, Chris he's, Middleton. He's back, man. I mean, he's yeah. back. I think his, his three-ball shot is getting there. I mean, he'll go five for eight one game and then go one for six another game and then another mm-hmm. five for eight. Like, he, he's he's getting his legs under him, and you could tell that he's he's feeling good. And it's it's – see, this is why <laughs> – I didn't really want to go here, but you're going to get me fired up. Like, Let's go. I've said it before, and I hate bringing this up. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows that I hate bringing this up. But this is why Chris Middleton is so important to Milwaukee. You know, this is why, sorry, Boston fans or casual NBA fans that don't want to hear this. This is why Bucks fans, hey, we shook Boston's hand. They beat us fair and square. But, like, this is why we said if Chris Middleton was playing, we'd probably beat you in that series. Like, it's no surprise. What were those numbers on offense since this winning streak or since Chris Middleton came back? They're the fourth best offense in the NBA. Is that what you said? Uh, They're the sixth best offense in the NBA since the the All-Star break. But that's, like, since you've been reintegrating, like, everybody. Yeah. Um, that goes, I mean, that goes without mentioning like how good Drew's been. Obviously, Giannis is a you know top two, three MVP candidate this year. We're not going to get into that this pod. Um, also, Brooke Lopez has been fantastic. Like you've got everyone clicking since the All Star break. You've got Brooke Lopez, twenty points, seven rebounds, almost three blocks, sixty six percent true shooting. Like that guy's been fucking unreal. Yeah, dude. Every, everyone's clicking at the right time for you. So if you've got you know you you're talking about a tough stretch coming up. I don't think there's a team in the league that other teams don't want to see more than the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Yeah, we'll and, get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. But also, I, I mean, since the beginning of March, on a minimum of 50, 50 attempts, Joe Ingles is shooting 57.7% from three. And it might be, you never want to say it's a blessing in disguise because I am one of those people that do believe that Milwaukee would have won the title last year if Middleton had played. But I could, I'll could also, though, as a, as a Bucks fan, tell you, if Kyrie and James Harden don't get hurt, Brooklyn probably wins the title, right? Oh, That's, yeah. Or if, if KD's foot is a exactly. half size smaller. Yeah. Exactly. It's, shit, it's, shit happens. It's it's hard to it's hard to play in the uh, the hypotheticals game like yeah, that. Exactly. But I feel like I have to say that our Boston fans will call me a homer. But <laughs> one of the blessings in disguise was I think for this season with, with Middleton being hurt, is it was clear that Milwaukee needed to get bigger on the perimeter and they mm-hmm. needed another playmaker. You know, they I remember when they signed Joe Ingles, I liked it. I was a little apprehensive about a 35-year-old coming off of ACL surgery, but I liked it because I think Brett and I even talked about it on this podcast. If he can even be 70% of what he was coming back from injury, that's a good thing because Milwaukee desperately needs another playmaker. I mean, there was just an article that came out by the great Eric Name, who is the beat writer for The Athletic for the Bucks, and it touched on the pick-and-roll chemistry that Joe Ingles and Brooke Lopez have. You know, and I think a lot of the times, you know, going back to that early season struggles in the month of December, I think Ingles came back. I want to say it was at the first week of December he came back. So now they're integrating him in too. And you can kind of see just his playmaking ability. Now, no, that doesn't mean that I think he's going to be playing 35 minutes against Boston because Boston's just going to target him defensively, but he doesn't need to. You know, our team is deep enough and malleable enough, which is, I think, another thing that they needed to get better at that. He can give you 15, 20 minutes off the bench for maybe gulp, you know, Grayson Allen isn't playing 30 minutes a game or something <laughs> along, something along those lines. So what Milwaukee did just going in from the off season and during the season is they got a lot more malleable, which is really, really going to help this team in the playoffs. Cause that's what this is all about, right? It's all about, it's all about May and it's all about June basketball. And they're just, 
they're phenomenal. Like I said, I think Middleton looks good. You just gave off Brooke Lopez's numbers. I think he should probably win defensive player of the year. Yeah, that's a tight one, but he's he's in the conversation for sure. It's it's probably him or Triple J right now. Well, I actually have I actually have a stat for you that I did that I nah, give it to me. I did, I did, but I gotta find it. I gotta find it. Uh-huh. How do you how are you able to oh here it is. Here it is. Sorry, my phone is being weird. The most contested shots this season in the NBA, right? I'm gonna go from bottom to top, just the just the top six, right? Jared Allen, seven twenty, Walker Kessler, seven thirty, Zubox, seven seventy two, Nick Claxton, seven ninety one, Evan Mobley, eight hundred and three. Again, this is contested shots. Brooke Lopez, one thousand two hundred and nineteen. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And this is like such a unique player too, because this is a guy that that like 15 game stretch that I was talking about him averaging like 20 and seven with three blocks. He's shooting what 42% on threes and that's on five attempts a game. Like that's, that's wild. Like what a, what a different player he is than the player he came into the league as where he was just this kind of like low post, throw it in, dump it down center. Like now he's one of the, the most impactful defensive players in the league. And he's the perfect compliment to Giannis because he can stretch the floor for him. Like perfect big man for you guys to have. Well, even, even go, even go back to the Toronto game that was played on Sunday, you know, a game that Milwaukee had to have if they want to get this number one seed. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you. We're going to talk about Boston and Philly and all respect to them. I think they're great teams and they could, if you told me they were going to go to the NBA finals and beat Milwaukee, I wouldn't be surprised. But Toronto scares the shit out of me because Toronto just always seems to play Milwaukee tough. They have the weirdest lineups. Every time we play them, I think it's going to be a 50-50 game, and I couldn't tell you what way we're leading or the other. But when I talk about malleability, you know, this was a game that everyone talks about Giannis having uh, a triple-double, 22-10-9. He didn't miss a shot. He was 9-for-9 from the field. He he made all of his three-point shots. Granted, he only took one. But in the fourth quarter – who did the Bucks go to? Brooke Lopez, who scored, I think it was 17 points he had in the fourth quarter. It was either 17 or 18. Like, he won them the game. And this is the type of basketball that I think Bucks fans have been wanting Milwaukee to play. It's just being – Coach Bud always calls it being random, but like a controlled random, knowing what you're going to do. Hey, we have this seven foot one Greek freak that can just come down you and slam on you. We have Chris Middleton who can initiate the offense and pull up from whatever you want on the court. We have Joe Ingles who can hit you in a pick and roll. We have Drew Holiday who is probably offensively having one of the best years of his career with his step back. I mean, he made the all-star game. He's probably going to make first team all NBA this year as well. Oh, and then by the way, man, we have Brooke Lopez who not only, like you said, is shooting 40% from three who can kill you out there, but we can also give him the ball down low old school style and he can destroy you because there's not many big men in the NBA that can guard that type of stuff. So I'm, I'm excited about Milwaukee. I would say, that with the addition of Jay Crowder, like I said, he's out with a calf injury, but he should be he should be good to go here pretty soon. This is by far the deepest team I've seen in the in the Boonholzer era. I think people got a little bit mystified or confused by the championship team on how deep that was. But by the end of that series or that season against Phoenix, with, with Dante getting hurt in the first round of the playoffs, they were really only playing seven guys. Mm-hmm. So it, it this was, team seems a lot deeper. Yeah, Pat Connaughton was playing heavy minutes. You had P.J. Tucker. Jeff Teague was playing minutes on that team. Oh, like, my God. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Teague. <laughs> hey, man, he uh, he played great in that closeout win over Atlanta. But, like, this team now, okay, like, 
Javon Carter has been phenomenal. Like he's a guy that you could put in there that's going to cover, you know, 92 feet of court, right? And he's he's shooting great from three this year as well. I mean, he's making himself some money this offseason. Like I said, we touched on Grayson Allen, who is still shooting the best three-point percentage on the team. And I said for the longest time, as much as um, <laughs> my complaints with Grayson Allen are, you know, it's not – he shouldn't have been playing those minutes that he was playing in Boston. Like he mm-hmm. absolutely shouldn't The injury to the, the lack of, of guard depth on our team forced him into a role. He wasn't ready for, but if he's going to be playing 20, 15, 20, maybe even 25 minutes in the playoffs, I mean, he's shooting 42% from three this season. Like he's been phenomenal. Like that's a guy, any team in the NBA would want on their bench. Pat Connaughton, he's been a little concerning, but last night or last night, right? Last night he had 10 rebounds. Like the, they got so many players and so many ways to beat you. Like it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's very exciting. And like I said, we have a two and a half game lead on Boston. I believe we have a three game lead on Philly. And it just so happens at the end of this month, we play Boston. And at the start of next month, we play Philly. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And I do, I do want to go into the, the one seed race a little bit more here in a little bit. I do want to touch on a few things you said. Um, First you mentioned Drew Holiday, you said that he was going to be first team All NBA. I think you mean All Defense, right? All Defensive NBA, yes, yes. yes. No, no, that's right. I mean, he does. He does have an argument. We want to save all of our All NBA and MVP discussions for later. I think that he's got a discussion at least to be mentioned in that third team guard spot. But guard is crazy this year. And you mentioned a little bit about Coach Bud. Isn't it crazy how far you guys have come in two years with Coach Bud? And um, just thinking about like, I know maybe it's not as big in Milwaukee, but I know the outside pressure from fans in the league, people who follow just want, they always want to see change. And it's like, something's not going right. You gotta, you're, you've got to switch it up. You got to do different things with your lineup. Yada, 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 yada. Coach, Bud, I remember talking to you a couple years about this ago about this. And it's like, coach, Bud is one of those like sticks to his guns kind of guys, kind of like Tibbs in that sense where he thinks things are just going to balance out. Um, I just want to know, like, what is the kind of the, the temperature on coach Bud in Milwaukee right now? Like, do you think this guy is kind of set there? Um, if things don't go well in the postseason, are we ever going to enter that range again? Or you think that he's kind of entered that tier of coaches where it's like when he wants out, he can go. Well, I'll give you my opinion first, and then I'll give you the public's opinion. I think if, if the Bucks win the title this year, Boonholzer can stay as long as he wants. Mm-hmm. I think that Mike Boonholzer is I mean, the Bucks have had Don Nelson was a coach here for a while. Uh, Del Harris was a coach here for a while. I, I'm, I'm forgetting stuff. My dad's going to kill me because I'm not naming the 70s coaches, but that's either here or not. <laughs> I think Boonholzer is one of, if not the best coach the Milwaukee Bucks have ever had. Wow. You, you, you look at what he came into. They had just been one of the most disappointing teams coming out of the Jason Kidd era. And immediately, immediately, the Bucks went over 50 games, had the best record in the NBA. His first year here, he wins Coach of the Year. John Horse is Executive of the Year. Giannis is the MVP, right? And if you go back to that Toronto series, now this is where a lot of the Bucks got, uh, or Bucks fans, I should say, got on Budenholzer because of kind of what you said in that Toronto series, right? Okay. Um, I think people, <laughs> they're so quick to blame coaches instead of players. I always talk about that if you're a young team on the rise, you have to get knocked in the face before you're going to win a title. It's a, incredibly rare that a team just comes out of nowhere in the NBA to win the title. It generally doesn't happen. Could you get to an NBA final? Sure. But the chances of you winning the title aren't. 
Everyone forgets that Milwaukee was up 2-0. They love saying that, but that game three went to double overtime. Giannis couldn't hit a free throw to save his life, and Chris Middleton had eight points. Bucks win that game. They probably win the series. Okay, they needed to learn some lessons, but like I don't know what people wanted Mike Boonholzer to do different. The next year, they, they're, un, they're the best team in the NBA when the league shuts down because of COVID. They clearly couldn't handle the, the Disney bubble. Okay, whatever. The yeah, next the year, circumstances are different. Like that team was a championship team. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy. Very, yeah, Very easily won the title. The next year, all they do is win the NBA title. That last year, they were one of the better teams in the NBA. An injury and, away from winning the title. And now this year, we're, we're recording this with 10 games left. They're the one seed. I think they've won 50 games every year since he's been the head coach. I want to say that this is the f- he's been the coach for five years, the fourth time, right? Something like that. That they've they've had the best record in the NBA going into the last the the final week of the season. Something right. along those lines. I know I saw it. I know I'm, I might be saying it a little wrong, but it's something along those lines. Like he's he's phenomenal, man, and he is going to always. It's not. I hate when people say, uh you know, you should adjust, you should adjust, you got to adjust this, you got to adjust that. Like, it depends on what your roster looks like, man. And, and people, fans especially, don't understand that and don't get that. You know, Ryan Rossillo brings it up all the time that it's easy for fans to get on coaches about timeouts because that's the only thing that fans can see. Fans don't know right. what the hell's going on in the game. Like, if you have if you have Giannis, if you have Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, what do you want them to change? Like, what, what are we changing? Like, I will argue to the death of me, um, Brett and I got into this on this podcast. Oh, he, he got killed, right, for, for last year's Game 7. game uh, When Grant Williams hit all those threes. Okay, what, what did you want him to do? Because here's, here's what people don't bring up. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were going to the rim at will. Right. So do you want to stop Tatum and Brown from beating you and let Grant Williams beat you? Or do you just want Tatum and Brown to score 60 points apiece? And it's, it was certainly – it was their game plan to let Grant Williams take those shots. He's not going to adjust. It's worked for him in the past. It's like who would have – you know, if you had to bet on Grant Williams hitting that many shots. I will take – and I argued – well, I shouldn't say I argued. I told every Boston fan that asked me about it. Hey, I'll put my hat on. You, dude, you tip your hat. Hey, dude, right. Grant Williams beat us in a playoff game. And you know what? Grant Williams hasn't been the same player since. It was once in a lifetime that that dude shot like that, and credit to him. He made – I think he started that game 0 for 4, by the way, or 0 for 5. But, like, yeah, man, I want Grant Williams shooting a, a three like that over Tatum and Brown just repeatedly killing me. Like, you do that. Any, any other NBA head coach would do that. You could tell Milwaukee was gassed. Their shot to win it was game six. They had no other options with the personnel that they had. You but can't you know, take away everything. It's just not possible. You can't. So I, I love Coach Bud. If I was Milwaukee running the team, I know John Horst loves him. It's his job until he wants out. Or unless Giannis mm. says him or me, but I don't think it would ever get like get to that. But I think I think does, one of the Giannis best. does not seem like he's got that kind of DNA. Yeah, I think yeah, he's, he's one not, of the best. He's, I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA, man. I mean, he's gone. He's won Coach of the Year with two different teams. He's been the one seed with two different teams. He's won the most NBA games in a regular season with two different teams. And people want to hold his shit in Atlanta. Yeah, dude. Sorry, nobody was beating LeBron. Nobody was beating LeBron in his prime back then. Like it's just, it is what it is. And he didn't have a top 10 player on that team. Like those, those teams are different. It's completely different circumstance, but we're going to move just kind of more into the, I want to ask you about the importance of 
the number one seed this year. I know the Bucks kind of let off the gas a little bit towards the end of last season. Might have, you know, it might have been for their benefit considering the injuries that they had. But now that they're completely healthy this time of year, I know the schedule's tough, but how focused do you think Milwaukee is on obtaining that one seed and avoiding having to play both Philadelphia and Boston in the playoffs? I think that realistically, they don't really care. I think that their thing has always been, we're going to go into the postseason healthy. I, I think too much was made last season when they sat everybody the last game of the season. If you look back under Budenholzer, Milwaukee always sits their guys the last game of the regular season. So it's nothing new. And I think, you know, coming off the season that they had, you know, they were what, the two seed or three seed when they won the NBA title? I think they were the two seed. No, they were the three seed because they, they didn't have home court against Brooklyn. They won game seven. So they won the NBA title from the three seed. And they don't care. I think for all everybody that keeps saying, oh, well, they lost because they didn't have the one seed. Everyone forgets that they had – I was at the game. It was game six. It was – the series was – was they were up. If they win that game, they go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and people forget that. They had a chance to win it. Now, I think that they want it. I mean, they, Grayson Allen has openly talked about like they want it. John Horst has said they want it. <clears throat> so I think they're going to go for it. You know, we're going to talk about their upcoming schedule starting tomorrow. They play five games in seven days in five different cities. They play Utah tomorrow. Then they have to play Denver on the second night of a back-to-back. Then they have to fly to Detroit. Then they have to fly to Indiana. And then they play Boston the next night on the second night of a back-to-back while Boston has two days off, I believe, or a day off. So, I mean, I would imagine that in Milwaukee's eyes, I, I have a feeling – what I think they're going to do is they're going to play everybody tomorrow, rest everybody Saturday, play everybody against Detroit. I don't know. I think they're going to maybe rest everybody against Indiana. I, I, I would imagine they do. And then they play everybody against – because no matter yeah, what happens – They need that tiebreaker. That's the in, most important thing. In the thing first there. four games, if, if Milwaukee goes two and two, and let's just say Boston doesn't have any slip-ups, Milwaukee's still up half a game. And then if they beat Boston, they're up a game and a half. And then if they beat Philly, they're up a full game on them as well. So, I mean, we knew a couple weeks ago that it was going to come down to Boston versus Milwaukee and Philly versus Milwaukee. So if they beat those head-to-heads, I think that they'll be okay. And I I think I I would much rather be – now, Boston has a very easy schedule. They got a gift from Adam Silver. Granted, I don't think they knew how good Sacramento was going to be, but Sacramento had to play – you were in the group chat when I told Derek this. They had to play at Washington – then they had to fly, got a day off, fly to Utah, play in Utah, and then have to fly back home and play Boston, who was already sitting there for two days. Like, come on, man. Like, Sacramento, that's just dumb. <laughs> in Boston, they're only, they have two games left against teams over 500, and it's against Milwaukee and Philly. So they definitely have the easiest schedule. We all know about Philly. Their West Coast trip from hell starts tomorrow. They play Golden State, and James Harden tweaked his hammy. I, I think Embiid has some issues, so we'll see. We'll see how bad Philly really wants Embiid to get that MVP because if they if they want to, sorry Sahil, but if you really want to win a title, you can maybe sit Embiid a game or two because I think you're going to be pretty locked into that three seed no matter what. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I think, like I said, I think they want it, but Milwaukee is always, always under Budenholzer. They're going to prioritize health over anything, and they think that they can beat you seven games no matter where it's played if they have home court or not. Okay, well, let's move into these other teams. Um I think you mentioned a little bit about them. We all know that the Celtics have kind of been, you know, by their standards, they've been slipping a little bit. They're five and five in their last 10 games, despite being still a league best fourth in net rating over that stretch. 
Um, we know that this is a postseason team. They're built for that. Um, if you know, coming from your position as a Milwaukee Bucks man, not as just a podcast host, who are you more afraid of to see in the, the playoffs, the Celtics or the Sixers? Who am I more afraid of to see in the playoffs? That is a very, huh? That's a very interesting question. Um, I didn't know you were going to be asking me that. I think that both can beat Milwaukee. Like, I want to make that crystal clear. Like, if, if you were to tell me that, hey, Boston is going to beat Milwaukee in six or Boston is going to beat Milwaukee in seven, same with Philly. If they're going to beat Milwaukee in six and, and beat Milwaukee in seven, I would not be surprised. But I f- like my chances against both of those teams. Like, if mm-hmm. Milwaukee is healthy, I really do. With, with the, the depth that they have, the malleability that they have. I mean, Boston creates some matchup problems. Everybody always – I hear this all the time from the national guys and from Philly fans. Well, Philly matches up really good with Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee matches up really good with Philly. Right. Yeah, like really, really good with Philly. I mean, we have we have Lopez and go and beat. And, again, I was at that game on Saturday when, or a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the month when Philly beat Milwaukee in the fourth quarter when they had – when Milwaukee gave up – unexpectedly gave up 49 points. Like that's not going to happen again. That was – that stood off the stat page when I looked at that. Oh, okay. <laughs> what the hell is this? Spooky as hell, right? But I mean, the only way that I see, and again, I'm not on wood here, but the only way that I could see Milwaukee not going to the NBA Finals or even winning the NBA title is if they beat themselves. And they are very capable of doing that. The turnovers that they have is a real thing. It's a very, very real thing. It reminds me a little bit of, Golden State during their prime years and a little bit of Boston last year. Although I don't know if, you know, from a full season's worth, how good that Boston team last year was compared to this Milwaukee team. But Milwaukee just does some dumb turnovers. Like you saw it with Golden State. You know, the, Brooke Lopez blocks Jordan Poole's shot with 28 seconds left. The game's over. And Drew Holiday just triples the ball out of bounds. That's like crazy. They do, they do dumb stuff like that. So that would be my concern. I'll say Boston just because, you know, Boston plays Milwaukee so well. That, that series is – you're going back to that series last year, even the last couple of years, uh, you know, when Tatum was a rookie. They, they, they've always had pretty good battles. But to Boston's point, like I can't tell – I lean to the side of Boston I think is a little bit bored with the regular season. I think they're tired. I mentioned this to Derek when we did the state of the union Boston pod, and I, I think I've mentioned it in our, our group chat that we're in with him as well. And he seems to brush it off a little bit. I cannot believe that Joe Missoula is playing Jason Tatum this many minutes. I think you can kind of tell, I, I think um, you, you've had in our notes that Boston is five and five in their last 10 games. And Jason Tatum has not shot the ball well from three at all since the all-star break. I believe he's shooting almost, he's almost shooting 10 threes a game. And you could just tell, man, it, it just watching their games, it looks like it's tired legs. And I don't understand how everybody says that this Boston team has all this awesome depth, which I would agree. I mean, they got, I think, Derek White, especially after this season, he could start for a lot of teams, right? Malcolm He's Bobby been awesome. Could also start for a lot of teams. And that's those guys coming off the bench. But, like, why are you playing him so many minutes then? And same with Jalen Brown. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me considering – Joe Mazzulla was on the, uh, the coaching staff of last season when the team clearly ran out of gas in the NBA Finals. 
So I, I don't understand that. That would be a concern if I was a Boston fan. Like I kind of look at that a little bit. Marcus Smart looks a little off. And Rob Williams, Derek Michael's going to kill me for it. But, I mean, dude, your best ability is your availability. And it seems like this dude plays six games and then he's out for another 10 games. So how is he going to hold up in the playoffs? I mean, obviously, as a basketball fan, as a Bucs fan, like, I want Boston's best. I want them to be healthy. Like, you know, let the best team win. I don't want – I don't want to win because of injuries. And I, I'm sure Boston fans feel the same way. So that would be my concern. Like how much of this is boredom and how much of this is actually like, we have some concern there. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, I'm not going to just come out here and say, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're self-destructing or things like that. I don't think it's that bad, but it's, there, there's some concerns where are like, what are you guys doing? You know what I mean? Like, Why? Like, right. They they seem to have some roster inconsistencies that didn't feel like when they were like so dominant this time of last year, like it didn't feel like they had this. And there's a lot of question marks. I mean, we talk to Derek every day and you would think the fucking sky was falling on that. Well, the, other the, thing he... is, the other thing, too, is, man, this team, more than any other team that I can remember, at least, they live and die by the three. Yeah. You know, and it's not like there's stuff in clay back there where you can make all this stuff like they don't. No, have... I was I was just looking at some of uh Tatum's more recent games just to to pick not to pick on him but like just to point out a few of them like how even reliant he seems to be on them lately he's had games where he's gone in his last 10 games a couple that stand out two of seven two of 11 0 of eight two of 10 5 of 14 6 of 17 and 0 of seven all from three and it's like it's I don't know it could be tired legs it could be just feeling like that's the only way the offense is going to get going we know they live and die by it but like that's pretty staggering to look at. Yeah, it is. And like, dude, you're you're Jason Tatum. Like you you have no idea, like even in our Bucks chat or even, you know, when I talk to NBA fans that aren't Celtics fans, like you're Jason Tatum, dude. No one's stopping you when you're driving to the hole. Like you're you're that good of a player. Like what are you doing? And everyone when they had the most historic offense in NBA history and Celtics fans were already, you know, November championship, they already had the parade route planned like they haven't been the same offense since, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're living and dying by the three ball and the, the, some of the coaching stuff, like Joe Missoula coming out the other day, I forget which game it was, uh, you know, saying when Derek white didn't play the fourth quarter, well, that's on me. How do you forget to play Derek white in the fourth quarter? He's one of your best players, you know? And I know Marcus smart hasn't been the same coming back from injury. It's just, there's, there's some weird stuff, but it's also stuff that I feel like is easily correctable where, you know, when we, you look at a team like Philly, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what more I could say about Philly. Like Philly fans are going to think that I'm talking shit about them. I'm not. I've, I've been very – I think if you looked at Philly on paper and took away the playoff resumes, you would be like, oh, but like this team can win an NBA title. Like they, they should almost be the favorite to win the NBA title. But then when you look at Doc Rivers, James Harden, Sorry, man, you got to put Joel Embiid in there too. Who Joel Embiid, I mean, shout out to Rosillo for saying this. Joel Embiid, and I'm not saying that it, it's wrong. Like, I, I hate the way the media kills dudes that when their teams in the playoffs just don't perform up to expectations. Like, I hate all that piling on. But Embiid hasn't had to hear that. Like, like my, yeah. guy, my guy Giannis lost, an MV, lost his third straight MVP because his playoff success from the previous season in a fucking Disney bubble wasn't up to snuff with the national media. So, like, he seems to kind of get a pass a little bit. But, like, I mean, do you trust Doc Rivers in a playoff series? 
you trust James Harden? Like, I this mean, is uh, this is an, super interesting because, like, what you're saying is they do have on paper they have the resume. You, like, you, I would, I would what you look at they as a they've got a net yeah fan. over the season they've got a net rating of plus five point three, which is the third best in the league, third best offense in the league, sixth best defense, like. But then you just have this baggage that comes along with them. You know about these James Harden two for 14, three point meltdowns and 10 turnover games. And we know we've seen crying Embiid go back to the locker room. Like we, it's a team that you really have to see it to believe it. And I think that that's what's kind of haunting them, at least in, you know, the majority of people's eyes, because you don't hear about them as much um, when it comes to like who is the favorite. But I think it's pretty safe to say that the teams that we're talking about right now, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, those are the three favorites in the league. Like the West is pretty cooked. There's nothing, there's no one over there that's scaring me that's coming out of there unless Phoenix like really puts it together. Um, Just going back to Philadelphia for a second, do you think this is the best team of Joel's career? I think it's now or never for Philly. I I think if Philly doesn't win a title this year, I, I would seriously have doubts on if Joel Embiid is ever going to win a title with Philly. Doc's got to be on the hot seat too. Like it's got to well, be. It's not for just. Real. It's not just Doc, but like okay. So there's that rumor that's been going around for a couple months now. James Harden going back to Houston. I don't know what to make of it, but it, it well, sounds it it sounds like it can't be real. But it's yeah, it feels like, real. There's, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's plenty of smoke with that. He's also never denied it. But I think the overall point is so like all right, man. What are you getting in return if you're Houston for James Harden? Like who's who from Houston is coming back in that that's going to make that big of a difference? And James Harden has been phenomenal this season, right? I mean, he's leading the NBA in assists. They're, the, his pick-and-roll game with Embiid is, 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 is good. You know, they have a young player in Tyrese Maxey who is just a complete heat-check guy. He can come in there, and he can win you a game, and he can also shoot you out of a game. You have Tobias Harris, who sometimes you don't know he's on the floor, and sometimes he can be the best player on the floor. But, like, it, it's just like – if they don't win it this year, where do you go? You know, is Doc if, okay? So if Doc is gone, who are you bringing in? Are you bringing in Ime Udoka? Like, and, and the other so thing that would be spicy. That would I would be into that. There's uh, there's a few names out there. I think you could throw out like well, Kenny I, I Atkinson. Just, I, I just want to touch on something though with with Embiid, and I, I love Joel Embiid. I love uh, Joel Embiid. I love his Twitter game. I love everything about his NBA game. I hate the flopping. I'll just come out and say that I hate freaking flopping. But like, from a pure center stand point of view right I I don't put Giannis in this category he is probably the best two-way center in the NBA and he's been that for the last couple years but like I remember during the all-star game he he made a comment like I think it was something on his body hurt I can't remember if it was his hand or his foot he's like he didn't really want to be there like he wanted to rest and I don't think Mikey he's rested since maybe yeah I think he took one game off it was when they beat Miami or maybe it was two games but I know it's it's at least been one why aren't you sitting this guy more? Yeah. Like, I think that Giannis, like, if I had a vote, I obviously don't have a vote. Like, I think that Giannis should be the MVP, but I understand people aren't going to vote for him because of the games played thing. Fair enough. I'm not here to sit here and <laughs> I'm not going to talk shit about Jokic, talk shit about MB to hype Giannis up. I don't need to do that. Any of those three guys could win and I'd be perfectly fine. But, like, they seem to be so obsessed with Embiid winning the MVP. Like, yeah, man, MVPs are cool. Players should care about that. But, you should also care about a championship. Because I'm telling you right now, man, if we could add Jokic in here too, there is no greater pressure on any two players than Embiid and Jokic, and you could put Harden in there as well. Because if those three – granted, Embiid and, um, Embiid and Harden are on the same team, but 
if Philly and Denver doesn't make a, a long playoff run, good night, man. Because the media yeah. is going to be dunking on that those players and those teams like we haven't seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, if you're a supporter of either Jokic or Embiid, like a, a true internet stan, it's going to be a tough offseason for you if they go out with an early exit, that's for sure. And we know how much heat could come when it comes to that kind of shit. I, it's not my favorite thing about following the NBA, but we know how real it is. And it's it's going to get pretty fucking heavy for those guys if uh, if they get bounced out early. But yeah, I think that we've done a good job of just really focusing on these three teams. I wanted to know if there's anyone else in the East that you wanted to discuss, maybe like a team in the play-in race, anyone further down the standings that... I know you, you mentioned Toronto. I mean, that would be kind of spicy if you got Toronto in like the first round series. I know you wouldn't like that. <laughs> You'd lose well, sleep think, over I that think one. Toronto, if they, if they end up getting in, I think they will get in. Uh, you know, they just make it, it it's, they're an annoying team. Like you're going to beat them, but it's going to be like a weird six game series or anything like that. People talk about Miami. I think Miami could be, you know, tough depending on the matchup. Atlanta, Atlanta can give Milwaukee problems. They have in the past. I think they have one of the best in Okongu. They have probably one of, if not the best, Giannis defenders in the NBA on their team. But like, you know, I know Brett. If 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 he was on here, he'd probably push back a little bit on me, and yeah, because he's such a, a an awesome diehard NBA fan. But you know, at this point in the NBA season, I said this about the West. He, you are what your record says you are. Like, I don't think there's going to be too many teams that, oh, it's all of a sudden going to click and they're going to come out of here. Like, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if Cleveland made the Eastern Conference Finals. That means they would have to have beaten either Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly. I don't know if that would happen. But like, well, they'd, they'd have to beat the Knicks in the first round too, and it's like that's that's a pretty tough path. Yeah, it it, it is, it, especially for them. Like, I, not I mean, Mikey, no, and I, and that's not to be disrespectful to any of those teams. Like, I think that Cleveland is probably a year away from serious serious NBA Finals contention. But like again, if you told me that they made the Eastern Conference Finals, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if they made the NBA Finals, but I wouldn't I wouldn't you know put money on Cleveland going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that the the first round, there's a lot of matchups that are going to be very, very interesting. And I think it's going to be very fun. Like if if the season ended today and it was right now, it's it's Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn. And then obviously the seven through 10 is Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago. Like I would, Indiana and uh, Washington are kind of sniffing it too. Yeah, Indiana, so. Indiana is a game and a half back of Chicago and Washington mm-hmm. is two and a half games back. But like, the first round matchup outside of obviously Milwaukee, the, the series that I would want to watch would be Cleveland, New York. Like, Oh no, no question. I can't wait for that. Like that would be an awesome playoff series. The garden would be hopping and, and who knows? Like Again, I wouldn't necessarily put money on New York beating Cleveland, but I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them. You know, who, who I think they're, I think New York is much better equipped to handle the playoffs this season than they were two years ago. I think that's all. <laughs> Jalen Brunson, your guy, Josh Hart. I, I think you listen to that, that Nick State of the Union podcast today, right? That we did. Like, yep. I like they got some players, man. Like they're they're gonna be tough. They're gonna be very, very tough. And Brett talks about it all the time. They've got maybe one of the most interesting second units in the league. Uh what they got quickly, Hart, um, top in, Isaiah Hartenstein coming off the bench. Like that's a that's a deep team. Cleveland is a little more front loaded than they are, but we know how good they are with that, you know, defensive front court and those two amazing guards. 
that would be an electric series. I think that, huh? I guess Brooklyn, whoever comes out in that six seed between Brooklyn and Miami, I think that'll be an interesting series with Philadelphia. But for the most part, I think this is going to be, it's going to be kind of like wait and see for that second round. Cause whoever is in that two, three matchup, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting storylines. Whoever gets to avoid that two, three matchup. I think they're going to be sitting pretty. And yeah, the Eastern conference is I'm fired up for it. Like, I think even, it's just, even just tonight, man, just, just looking at it. Cause I, I was kind of, uh, I was peeking at it as we were doing this podcast. Like, Cleveland barely snuck by Brooklyn. They needed a, a last-second Isaiah Okoro three-pointer with a second left to beat Brooklyn. And Brooklyn yep. led most of that game, I believe. So, like Brooklyn's frisky. It looks like the Heat beat the Knicks tonight, too. Like Everything's kind of up in the air. I think Orlando beat the, the Knicks tonight. Yeah, it was Orlando that beat the Knicks tonight. Oh, I'm looking at – sorry, that was yesterday. Oh, okay. I was looking at it a few days ago. Well, they lost to a team in Florida. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm with you, though, man. I, I think that, and I, I feel very confident in saying this, whether it's Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly, I think any of those three teams that are coming out of the East is winning the NBA title. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's ever been as clear cut um, in maybe the last, maybe since Michael's heyday. In the East, that, like whoever, yeah, whoever's coming out of the East is winning the thing. Like, I don't think people were saying it last year. Obviously, it wasn't true, but in the long term, but people were saying like whoever wins between Milwaukee, Boston, and then what happened happened. But like, I don't think I actually believed that talk as much as I do as right now. Like, the top three teams in the East are kind of the clear cut favorites, and even if you go with uh, Cleveland, like they've got the top point differential in the league, like. <sighs> Yeah. The East is fucking stacked, man. Well, just just even even if we took a look here, like I always I always like to look at this, right? So if you just look at the at the NBA standings, right? So Cleveland won tonight, so they have forty seven wins. Denver would be a, as the number one team in the East, or I'm sorry, number one team in the West. They would be the fourth seed in the East, right? Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies would be the fifth seed, and the Sacramento Kings <laughs> would be the sixth seed. Like, like that is that is crazy, and, and I I love Sacramento. This isn't uh, mean. I don't mean to demean Sacramento here, but the Sacramento Kings have they're a game ahead of the New York Knicks, who are the fifth seed in the East. Like it's crazy. Yeah, man. Like, it, it hasn't it hasn't been like that in any recent memory. No, the discrepancy from the East to the West. So it's like there's there's a shift. We know, you know, there's a couple sleeping giants in the West. We don't know what's going to happen with Phoenix. I mean, it seems unlikely they're going to gel that quickly, but Kevin Durant could, it's fucking Kevin Durant. And if he yes. can put together a one month stretch, like who knows, man. So it's, yeah. it's about to get super interesting. I think that we can, we can pretty much call it right there. Why don't you go ahead and say peace to the fam? And uh, we're hoping to get Brett back in a few days and we're going to talk some OKC Thunder. We are, we are. Yeah, this was, thank you for not making me talk too much about Milwaukee and jinxing everything because you know I hate doing that. But yeah, man, this was, this was, uh, this was fun. That's all. Um, unless somebody else brings it up or unless there's, uh, we're covering a game. It's probably the last time you'll hear me talk about Milwaukee for a while, at least until, uh, until the playoffs start. So yeah, man. Well, I'll twist, I'll twist your arm about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. So for, uh, for myself and producer Mikey, do we appreciate everyone for listening. We'll get this edited tonight and get this up. There shouldn't have to be too much editing involved. Mikey and I got this unlocked. So peace, everybody, and we will see you guys next time. Later. <laughs>